Good morning, good morning. When I went outside today, I said, my, if people don't repent, we'll send them outside. <laughs> Not turn and burn, but freeze and burn or whatever. <laughs> it's cold in this place. No, well, good morning. I really appreciate just the privilege of Michelle and I being here this morning. Uh, we love this church. We, we really honestly do. We feel a great affinity towards you as a church to your leaders, and just appreciate the, the, the privilege. It really is a privilege to just come in, standing alongside you guys. And this morning, as I was just thinking about this morning, I had a deep sense that I felt God say, tread lightly. Tread lightly to me. Because I felt God... His hand upon this church is very jealous for you. And it's like somebody who's about to get married and you've got to attend to the bride. But you're not marrying that bride. And you tread lightly. Because she doesn't belong to you. She belongs to someone else. And I just feel to encourage you this morning to say I have a deep sense of God's hand upon you as a church. And even the words that came this morning to confirm that, and it's interesting, they came out of Jeremiah and Lamentations, and Jeremiah wrote Lamentations. And if you read the whole of the book of Jeremiah and Lamentations, it's a lot of weeping and moaning and destruction in a sense. But the scriptures that came out of there were not about that. It's about God's everlasting love. And I just really want to encourage you as a church that I feel God, you're very close to the heart of God. I'm not saying other churches aren't. I'm just talking to you. You're very, very close and you're very dear to the heart of God. And that's why I felt you saying, tread lightly, Kim. They belong to me. And I felt God is going to protect you as a church where people will want to come and do damage and God says, you're going to have to deal with me if you touch them. You're going to deal with me if you touch them. And I encourage you with that because I just sent the incredible, jealous love of God over you. If you understand what I'm saying. The incredible favor of God upon you. It's not that you've done anything to earn it. It's just because he's chosen you. He's chosen you people. He's chosen what he's doing here. And it's his work that he's doing here. And so we don't want to come and get in the way of that. We just want to come and walk alongside. You understand what I'm saying? And so it's a real encouragement. And it's interesting the words that came this morning. Of That's the way where it went. We had the immense privilege. I feel like... Uh, Guys that are about to go on a movie set and you get to make up and whatever the case is. But anyway, <laughs> okay. I don't, oh, what can I say? <laughs> That's the doctor speaking. He makes me feel good, you see. <laughs> you know, when the doctor says to you and you go and see the doctor, and the doctor says, you're doing well. You go out, yes. Even though you're not doing well, you just say, the doctor says, I'm doing well. <laughs> even though you walk out like this, you're doing well. All right, all right. The doctor says, I'm doing well. <laughs> <laughs> Bless you, Matt. And um, just in the time of ministry on Friday and Saturday, um, I was just aware of what God was doing with a number of people. And it's, it took me a little bit by surprise. I've got to be brutally honest. But it was just God saying, I'm with these people. Even in some activations that Michelle led, just the presence of God was working. And simple things. And I feel God saying, I'm going to do simple things in your midst, but they're going to be profound things. And they're going to be simple things, but profound. And so often we look for the spectacular. And God is saying, don't miss the simple things, but they're going to be profound. They're going to have profound impact. Are you with me? So I just really want to encourage you as a church. I really sense the favor of God upon you. I feel like 
I've got to just, like, I don't want to touch you if you understand what I'm trying to say. God is going to protect your people. He really is. I feel like, as I said before, if people want to raise up and say something about this church, it's like God saying, you're going to deal with me if you do that. You're going to deal with me because my hand is upon those people. My favor is with those people. Amen. Now, I don't know how that translates into the future, but God knows. Don't be too concerned what it's going to look like in the future. I know we need vision, but God will unpack it. God will unpack it. Be with me. Just walk with him. Just walk with him. And just by way of a token, that's all it is. It's just a token. Just if you were privileged to be there on Friday, not because we were there, just because God was doing something, or yesterday morning, and you know God touched you. You know God spoke to you. You you were aware of his manifest presence. The Bible talks about where two or three are gathered, God is there. The Bible talks about he inhabits the praises of his people. But yet, there's a, a sense of God comes in a manifest way at times, differently. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And so you were just aware of that, either Friday night or Saturday. Why don't you stand? It's just as a token. I just want people to see. Here we are. And we didn't do anything. God did it. So as you're standing, I just want to say, Father, we want to bless what you are doing. We want to bless your work in this church. We want to stand and say, God, it is good. It is good. It is good, Lord. And we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. It will never cease flowing into the life of these people. Your goodness will go before and make a way, and your goodness will be their real God. And so we bless what you are doing in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right. I'm going to let my wife preach. Because that's what I feel I need to do. I came prepared. I even got all the little things over here. But I'm just trying to flow with what God's telling me to do. That's simple. Tread lightly, Ken. (laughs) There we are. She's got to get ready. Not that I didn't prepare, I did, I promise you. There's all the stuff. (laughs) There it is, yeah. But we'll do it another time. And I just feel that she needs to, because I know what she's going to preach on, and in light of what we feel at this point in time, in light of the the messages that came this morning. Amen. Good morning, everybody. It really is a privilege to be here. And um, as Ken said, This church really, really is very special to us, and we just want to honor Steve and Debs, your family, and all the elders and wives, and so many of you that we know. Every time we've come here, we feel so warm, warmly received and embraced, and it is just really special. And we have walked such a similar road. God did something in our hearts very early early back in the life of this church. There was a knitting that takes place. And you know, that's supernatural. It is wonderful. It's a great privilege that we get on and we're really friends. But there's something supernatural that happens sometimes, that God just connects hearts and connects people in a way that is beyond normal. And we're just so very, very privileged to be part of this. So thank you. Um, Sorry, I'm using my laptop. I didn't have a chance to print notes out. Anyway, that's fine. Um, So, (laughs) thanks. Um, The thing that I want to speak about today is adoption. Many of you will know, some of you won't, but many of you will know, a number of years ago, Ken and I adopted a young girl by the name of Natasha. She was 12 when she came to us. And the adoption went through when she was 14. And it is with her permission that I'm going to share some of our story pertaining to the adoption. It will touch on some of her story, but I'm not going to share many of her details because those are hers to share. But 
I was preparing for something, um, I think it was beginning of this year. I've always known the Lord would call me to preach on this, but the time was not right. And I was preparing for some trip we were going on, and the Lord said to me, no, it's time to preach on adoption. So I said, okay. So I approached Natasha, and she said, I thought you always did anyway. (laughs) But it is with her permission. And so we'll wind a story in between what, you know, what the Lord is, is um, the, the application. Okay, so when I was a kid, um, when I was a teenager, I was a little unusual in that on Saturdays when my friends used to hang out at malls, I went to orphanages. I went to an orphanage and I visited there every Saturday and I would play with the kids. Um, only in South Africa, but I eventually even managed to get the kids to come to the house with me, and I took care of them for a weekend, and I was like 14. Um, anyway, my parents were amazing, and technically speaking, it's in the DNA, you know, they brought home all the stray people, their friends, some of them were very weird, and um, the stray dogs and everything, you know, so it's just like part of the genes. <laughs> but... Um, It was always really, I've always just loved that kind of thing. And then when I was 14, my parents, we were in a false religion, which I won't go into, but my parents were approached and asked if they would foster a little girl. And so because I was the youngest, I have an older brother, they sat down and they spoke to us. And I, you can imagine, this was a dream come true. This, our own baby in our house that I could love on every day. And my sister came into our life and I did love on her every day and I still love her deeply. She did not um, give my parents a very easy time, but we still love her, all of us love her unconditionally. And the good thing about that is when the Lord laid on our heart to adopt, there was no sort of deception. There wasn't like, oh, this this rosy, lovely future. It was, we knew it would be work, and it was. Anyway, I wanted to have a number of kids which didn't work out. But one day, when we were in the States, and now we thought of adopting and fostering and everything way back, and it never worked out. But one day, um, in America, Ken was watching something, and I don't have time to go into that story, but it, we discussed it, and we felt the time was right to look at adoption. We didn't think it would be possible, because we were older, we, were, we had, didn't even have green cards, and we were living in America. But... After approaching various agencies, they said it's absolutely not a problem. Um, You'll only be able to get the child when you have a green card, but you can go through everything else up until then. You don't have to be a citizen. And so we did this. We went through the course. And in time, we finished everything about a year later, and we had our green cards and everything. And they phoned us about a sibling pair. And we were very open to siblings. And we felt the Lord say no was one of the hardest phone calls to ever make and say, actually, sorry, we don't feel right about this. I knew if I met the child, I would be undone. I mean, I can't bring home a dog and return it. So a child, there is not a chance on the planet if I met the child that we would ever let them go back. And we prayed really seriously and we felt no. They phoned us about another young girl and we felt no. And then... One day, Ken was sitting in his office upstairs, and the phone call came, and it was about Natasha. I could hardly hear what they were saying. The spirit in me was leaping, and I knew that I knew that I knew this was the child. I put the phone down with the little bit of information I could gather in between the emotions. I went upstairs, and I opened the office door, and I said to Ken, there was a call from the agency, and he, he was weeping, and he said, this is the child. I hadn't said a word. Boy, girl, age, nothing. I said, how do you know? He said, I was just reading on how to please God. And God led me to the scripture where it says, take care of the widows and orphans. And we knew before we knew a single thing that this was the child. So the way it works is that you get the child for a weekend. And during that time, you make up your mind if you will take them or if you won't. But of course, we had God on our side, so our minds were made up. But we get her, she comes to us and um, for that weekend, and when the, we opened the door, my heart broke. There was this little waif of a child trying so hard to be perfect. She was 11 at the time, and at 11 years old, you know 
that if you're not, you're not a fostered, let alone adopted, if you're not in long-term foster care by the age of 12, you've probably got no chance. You will grow up in a group home. And she knew that. She knew the system. So she came in, and she did everything she could to be the perfect child. She was so sweet, so loving. But every time she went upstairs, we would hear her throwing up in the bathroom from anxiety. And my heart just broke, and Ken's, Ken and I, our hearts just broke. That weekend, I don't know how to explain it other than to say we actually fell in love. Literally, there was this giddy feeling. It's like for the next two weeks while we had to wait through all the process and everything, we could not think or speak about everything, anything else. We went away to some conference. We may as well not have been there. It was like totally irrelevant. She consumed our minds, our hearts, our emotions, our everything. We fell in love. And it is a beautiful thing because it's supernatural. Okay, so then um, Natasha came home and our journey began. In the process, I had prayed for three things, very specific things as signs. One is that the weekend she came to us, we would get a confirming prophetic word. Number two was that she would love animals. I'm an animal fanatic. But the reason being is a lot of children who come out of foster care are very cruel to animals. And I know I can't handle that. My heart would not be able to deal with cruelty. Um, So it was a key thing for me. And that she wouldn't have reactive attachment disorder. Because I just felt I don't know if I could handle somebody that is just... That is just like irrelevant in your life. Well, God answered two. Got a prophetic word, and she loves animals. Reactive attachment order, he didn't answer. <laughs> so we had to go through a long, long learning curve. But um, just to let me just give some explanation now as to why this is so important. Adoption, I don't know how accurate this is, but I, I believe it's accurate. In the Bible, if you adopted a child, you could never give them up. So you could sell your own children into slavery. But if you adopted a child, you could never sell them into slavery. I know that's a concept that's beyond us. But the point is that it is so final and so complete. And so adoption is like that. It is absolutely complete. We're adopted into God's family. There's something supernatural that takes place when he adopts us into his family. There's a completeness. It's like we are given his DNA. There's a supernatural element that happens in a natural adoption and into our adoption into the kingdom of God. But we don't always know that. Natasha moved in with us. We told her that first weekend that we wanted to adopt her because for us it was settled. You know, God had spoken. And we were in love. And she said, oh, okay, that was it. Anyway, she moved in two weeks later, and we realized in time that Natasha could trust nobody. She did not trust a single person in the world but herself. Her background was such, which I'm not going into, that taught her trust is not something you can do. And in a way, we can be similar to that. We can get adopted by God into his amazing kingdom. And there, the father is perfect, unlike us who have, we're not perfect parents, but God is perfect. But we don't always trust him. Some of us come with less trust than others. Some of us grow in trust, um, and we all should. But sometimes it's hard to trust God, and we can trust him for big things and not little things, or little things and not big things. But you know, in Ephesians it says, Ephesians um, 1, 3 to 6, it says, Blessed be God, our Father and Lord Jesus, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless without him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and glory of his grace, which has made us accepted in the Beloved. And we can trust God with little things, but sometimes God will say to us, you know, trust your kids to me. It's not so easy. Go off to school. 
<laughs> it's not so easy to just trust them. They're going off to another city. It's not so easy. We have these panicky moments. It's not so easy when they start their first day of school and they're going to be taught by teachers they don't know. I think the kids handle far better than the parents. I know in my case, that's the truth. You know, I'm undone. The kid's fine. My daughter said to me, Mom, you can go. I'm absolutely fine. I went home and sobbed. She came home as happy as anything. Um, Parents take it. We battle with that. Sometimes we battle with finance. You know, God calls us to something that doesn't make sense. It's not financially seems maybe a bit unwise, but God has spoken. We've got to trust God with finance. We've got to trust God with our hearts. We've got to trust God in every aspect, but we grow into that. And he has adopted us, and just as Natasha had to grow into that, we have to grow in that in the kingdom. Today she trusts us. I think she trusts Ken and I more than anybody in the world. And... Um, she knows now that some of the things we say, even if she disagrees with us, she can trust. It took her a long time to do that, but she does now. Another aspect is that um, Natasha is belonging. You know, as much as she, as a foster child, wanted a family, a lot of children in foster care dream of having a family. They really dream of it. It's something that's so meaningful to them to actually have their own family. But sometimes they're more in love with the idea of a family than the actual family. It's just this idea of actually being able to say, I have a family. So she came into our family, but she didn't feel she belonged. That's just the reality. We took her off to a state park. Now, this was a little while later when we, she'd warmed up a bit and said to her that we actually wanted to adopt her again. And this time she did respond. And she told us at that point that um, Natasha had been in and out of six foster care families and backwards and forwards to her own biological family before it was finally decided that she wouldn't go back there. And um, two of the families had promised to adopt her. And then it didn't work out. And so she wasn't adopted. And she was just moved on to the next family. So when we said we were going to adopt her, she, I can see it, you know. I've been there, done that. But it never means anything. So this time when we took her, she was quite excited about it. We then said to her, she, we had told her originally she can call us anything she wants. And she called us Ken and Michelle. Um, but we had suggested to her by that stage that she start call us dad and mom. That wasn't going to happen for a long time. It was very, very hard for her. That step of belonging to the point that you can call somebody dad and mom didn't happen easily. She, for a while, she just didn't use names. She didn't call us anything. She would just come and speak to us. Not dad, not mom, just come and speak to us. Because she kind of knew now that we wanted her to call her dad and mom, so she didn't want to not please us and call us Ken and Michelle, but she couldn't call us dad and mom. It was a process, because she didn't belong. Um, and we do the same thing with God sometimes. But God is absolutely faithful, and this story I shared with her, and this kind of did it for her. This is the story, I think, I think that broke in and gave her that sense of belonging. In, I think it was 1993, from 1991 to 1994, I was desperate for more children. We had two children, we couldn't have more. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. I said, God, I don't care if you supernaturally allow us to have kids, if you bring me a kid, if I find a street, an abandoned kid, if you bring kids to me through adoption, through foster care, I don't really care. I just want more children. But nothing happened. And I prayed, I think, every single day for three years. And in 1994, I felt the Lord give me a scripture and it said, the exact words were, expect God to act. I was convinced that this was to do with adoption. I was so excited. And the more I prayed into it, the more I felt that God was going to give us a girl. And I was just so absolutely excited. And I prayed every day for this daughter. Because I thought 
You know, she's coming from somewhere, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. I prayed blessing on her. I prayed protection on her, because if she was out there, I didn't know what, she, what was happening to her. Nothing happened. And eventually, I kind of thought, well, I missed it. I blew that. I didn't really hear the Lord. And I released the thing. But in my heart, it never really let go. But I kind of thought, okay, I've really blown it. But anyway, God's got more for us. He's got different work for us. And I can't focus on it. Natasha was born in 1995. 31st of January, 1995, she was born. She was covered in prayer for a year at least. Every single day. Do you know that every foster family she was with was a Christian family? She had the most incredible protection. Her family, her biological family is a mess. But in all of it, stuff that happened to her siblings did not happen to her. There was like a supernatural protection. When I told her that story, she had a sense of belonging. And she'll often say, tell me that story again. You see, part of belonging um, is in the DNA. Like, like your kid will do something. Like we might hear Hannah sing, and a person will say, oh, you know, Debbie's got such a voice, great voice. Hannah's the same. She sings beautifully. Or, you know, Steve loves all these wordy stuff and all the rest of it, and this kid's exactly the same. They love bringing out all these words that nobody understands. (laughs) You know, little things like that. So um, there's just, there's something. And every time a parent shares that, what happens to the kid is, I belong. I belong. This is my family. But when a child comes to adoption, that's not always the case. Because you don't know what their history is. But God uses everything. And he even uses the negative stuff. So the one day, um, she was sitting, no, she had picked up her dinner plate to take it to the table. And she dropped it. And she broke this dinner plate. Now, she'd only been with us for, I think, maybe two months. And she literally froze. And she says, I'm so sorry, I'll go to my room. I'm so sorry, I'll go to my room. I'm so sorry, I'll go to my room. Just the fear over her. There was obviously something you didn't do. So I looked at her and I said, honey, that's obviously God's placed you here because I'm as clumsy as the day is long. <laughs> and she felt she belonged. It was that, just that little thing. It just put a hook in her. She still say, oh, my mom and I are so clumsy. And I'm not about confessing all this negative stuff, but you know what? There was something so much more important, belonging. She felt that there was, and so we've done that through every little thing. And it is amazing what God does spiritually. I cannot tell you the traits and the things that she is so similar to my, my one daughter in. It's like unbelievable. And there's little things like this. You can see it. It's amazing. God supernaturally does something. So slowly but surely, the belonging came. Another aspect, and just to say as Christians, we need to belong. We need to know what it is to belong to the Father. We need to know what it is to belong to the family of God. You know, when you first start coming to a church, you might think this is the right church, but you don't necessarily feel like you belong. You feel a bit on the outside. That can happen. Even although the church is very warm and friendly and lovely, you don't always feel like you belong straight away. But God has called us to himself. He's called us to a family. And we do belong. We belong to him. We belong to his huge family, the church of God. And we belong to this family. Or whatever family he's placed you in. We belong. We are part of It's a deep thing. And in today's world, we live in a society and a time and a generation where very few people feel they belong. So many people don't even feel they belong to their own families. It's a key. It's key. But we belong to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We are His and He is ours. Christ in me, the hope of glory. And we belong to a family of believers that he's placed us with. And it doesn't matter if we, we have our ups and downs. How many of you in your own family, we have our ups and downs, but you belong. They're your family. This is your family. Okay, another thing for Natasha was um, a really difficult thing was safety. 
um, she didn't always kind of know what she was doing in regards of safety, but as a child in her biological homes, when things weren't going well, her sister taught her to sneak out and sleep in the woods or the cornfields. They had a, a I've been to the area now, they've got a, like a, a wooded area next to the house that they, she grew up in. And that area is, um, you would have got bears, coyotes. It's not just like in a suburb, suburb it's out in the, in the mountains, near a state park. She was safer. She would sneak out at night and she would go into the woods and she would spend the night there. Six years old, by herself. She's totally fearless of the woods. The woods is a comfort zone for her. I remember getting her and we're walking along the trail. We got outside her house and she says, oh, you know, these berries you can eat and these leaves you can eat. These berries are called ink berries. You can write with them. That's what they do. You know, um, that movie, not Braveheart, the other one, where they put... The Patriot, where they put the, she put, the girl puts the berries in the guy's mouth. It's the ink berries. I now know that. Natasha has shown me that. She tells you what berries you can eat, what berries you can make jam out of, what leaves you can eat. This girl knows the woods. If she didn't go to the woods and it was a bit chilly, you go through to somebody's cornfield in the farm next door and you break the stalks over so you don't lose your way. And then when you get into, the, into an area you want to sleep, you break all the stalks inwards and you jump on and there's a little dip in the middle. You cuddle up under your blanket and sleep the night away. That was safe. So her view of safety was a little bit skewed, but for her, that was safety. And we don't always know that we can trust and feel safe, safe to share our hearts, feel safe, feel protected. We often have situations like that. But the psalm tells us, surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. By his, his truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrows that fly by day. Etc., etc., etc. You see, God is our protector. And I did not know what a deep work God had done until one day she was sitting at the table. We were all sitting around the dinner table. My son Clayton and his wife Jen were there, and Natasha and us, and we were sitting around eating. And Clayton said to me, Mom, how come you don't seem to fear people that much? And I'd never been asked that question. And I thought about it and I said, Well, Possibly because all the men in my life have been really good. I have an amazing father, an amazing brother, an amazing husband. So the authorities in my life have been good and secure. They've given me a security. So she's sitting at the table. She says, I know exactly what you mean. I nearly fell off the chair. I said, you, you do? And I'm thinking, how? How do you know this? And she looks up and she says, well, there's dad. She says, and there's Clayton. She says, and there's Quasi. That's one of our elders. She calls Quasi. She says, and then there's this one and that one. And she started mentioning the elders, the deacons. She says, and actually the youth. They would all do anything to protect me. She says, yeah, I feel pretty much the same. And I did everything not to weep because of the work that God had done. A child that had had no safety except the woods now felt safe. Because of God our Father. He is a good Father. That was absolutely amazing. Then comes the love. Now, as mentioned, she had reactive attachment disorder. Now, reactive attachment disorder, I'm just trying to get this to move, is a very, very tricky thing. Reactive attachment disorder basically. A child, it happens to a child um, at a fairly young age, generally before the age of three to five, that there's either severe neglect or something like that in their family. So they get to the point where they really, really don't. Um, just let me try and move this up, sorry. Where they don't basically have much feelings and things like that, and they, they suppress their feelings. Now, 
I just want to read a little bit of this. RAD, reactive attachment disorder kids, usually need to be taught about their feelings. Some of them are so disconnected from their bodies that not only don't they experience their feelings, they're often unaware of physiological sensations like cold, warmth, hunger, pain, tiredness, etc. They need help with identifying that they are having a feeling or sensation. In addition, they need to be taught the language of feeling and apply the correct word to the correct state. That was our daughter. Very cold winter day, not quite as chilly as this, but still pretty cold in a um, a really major snowstorm. She had been with us for maybe a week, and she was upstairs in the room, and she was always very quiet. And... um, I said to Ken, she's been there a while. So it was about 20 minutes. I went up and I couldn't find her. We searched the house, the basement, everything, panic. I'd have phoned the authorities and said, I've lost the child. She's been with us a week and I've lost her. Anyway, we go outside and we're looking all over. Remember, walking far away is security for her. And so she'd wandered off to an open field. And she must have been out there for half an hour in freezing, freezing cold weather with a light jacket. She did not feel the cold. She did not feel heat. Actually, she didn't feel it. You'd say to her, are you hungry? She'd say, oh, um, I don't know, haven't I eaten? I said, no, honey, you haven't eaten today. Oh, then I suppose I'm hungry. She did not feel the sensation of hunger. You had to remind her to eat, remind her to drink. These things she did not have. But God is an amazing God. And we would travel. Our ministry is such, as you know, that we would go and travel a bit, and we would come back. So we'd get to a place where she was actually doing quite well, and um, she would start connecting with us, we felt, and it was wonderful. And then we would go away for a weekend, and she would go and stay with a friend, and we'd come back, and, well, she'd moved into their lives. Ours, we were relevant. We said, hi, how are you? She said, I'm fine. Do you know? And I mean, we could have been away for a week. It meant nothing in her life. She had moved on to the next family. You see, that's what she had practiced her whole life. Focus where you are and forget about your life. And that happened every time we went away. Every single time. It was very hard as parents to deal with that. But we soon got to understand that this is just the way it is. And um, it's not her. It's not us. And we needed to pray healing. And the one day... We came home and she said, oh, it's so good to see you. I mean, I nearly fell over because that isn't something that happened often. But I said, oh, that's wonderful. She said, you know, it was very strange when you went away. She said, inside of me, she said, I felt, I felt like a sadness that you weren't here. So I said, oh, she said, yeah. And she said, and it's like there was just feelings. And, and, and when I was thinking of you and I was thinking of dad. And I kind of wanted to be at home. And I looked at her and I said, honey, that's called missing your parents. And she said, really? I said, yeah, that's what it is. God turned it. This young lady is amazing. God has done so much in her life. But sometimes with us, it's very similar. And that's the whole thing. You see, with reactive attachment disorder... Um, attachment is really another word for love in the psychological sort of sphere of things. You don't know how to love. And God loves us unconditionally, but we don't always feel his love. We don't always sense his love right here, so we don't feel that he loves us. We, don't, if we, we need to do more. We need to do this. We need to do that to earn the love of God. But it's not like that. He loves us unconditionally. And he is the greatest father of all. And his love for us cannot be measured. It is absolutely amazing. Um, And so I just want to say that what God has done in Natasha's life has been phenomenal. It's not so much, I mean, we've tried and endeavored to, to parent her well and to do what we can and do courses and understand. And I have never in my life had to rely on the Lord for anything as much as this. Every aspect, I've had to say to the Lord, I don't know how to deal with that. All the things that you would do in parenting, that you would teach in parenting courses, that you would read in parenting books, not one worked. I'm not kidding, not one. You could bribe the child 
with an actual gift of a sizable amount, it meant nothing. You could discipline, it meant nothing. Nothing impacted. So we had to pray every single time. We had to pray, God, give us strategy on how to deal with this, how to deal with that, how to deal with this, how to deal with that. And God did. He is faithful. He gave us strategy again and again and again. But the biggest thing is the way God touched her life. You see, we serve a faithful father. She wasn't with us too long when um, somebody was ministering, and it was quite a powerful move of God, and um, people were going over in the spirit, and Natasha went over in the spirit. I hadn't seen it, and Ken came and called me, so I went and sat with her, and I just sat there. And she must have sat there shaking for about an hour. She changed that day. God did something supernatural that day, and there was a big change. She said it was like she felt lighter, like something had lifted off her. Well, that happened, I don't know, two or three or four times. She has seen more angels than anybody I know personally. First time she saw an angel, we were on a translocal ministry team, ministry thing, and she'd come with us because we homeschooled her for a while so that we would have time to work with her. And... um, in the morning, she said to me, oh, there was a man in my room. So I said, oh. She says, I said, what did he look like? Now, I knew where we were staying was safe, so it was never an issue. She said, well, he was as big as the ceiling, so I knew it was an angel. And she went on to describe him. So I said, it was an angel, Lord. It was an angel of the Lord. She says, okay. Months go by. She says, I saw the man again. She said, but he had changed a little bit. This time he had armor on. She's given me so many things. She's had more open visions than almost anybody I know. I I literally, I'm not just saying it. She's had open visions that have been absolutely phenomenal. We haven't made a big thing of it because we don't have security to be in that. It's in the Lord. Um, He speaks to her just like that. So the one day I was, um, we heard of a prophetic lady that had come to town, and I'm not normally worried uh, to, to go after these things at all, because, I mean, I didn't know her, but a friend had invited me. But this lady was adopted as an older child, and she was now in her 80s. And I, something in me said, take her. So I take her. And so Natasha's seen these angels and a couple others, and this woman starts off and says to her, hmm. But the Lord says he sends his angels to watch over you. He said angels are very important around you. You have plenty of angels around you. God sends his angels to watch over you. And she, she said, oh, I know. Security. Her father in heaven looks after her. Her father in heaven. She, I mean, to get her to lock a door is an issue. She says, you know, but God's got his angels for me. I said, yes, I know. (laughs) But you know, there is this thing of wisdom and not testing the Lord. Yeah, mom, yeah, mom. But God's got it. I said, okay. (laughs) Okay. So God has done something in his heart, in her heart. You see, God is setting Natasha up for success. He has everything at his, his disposal. All the hosts of heaven. He has his signs, wonders, and powers. He is the Lord of lords and King of kings. Jesus is our everything. God has and is changing Natasha. And she is growing from one degree of glory to the next. She is. Um, She still has a way to go, like we all do. But it has been such an honor to see what God has done with her. Now I want to say this God, this amazing Father, It's our God. Yours and mine. What he has done for Natasha, he does for all of us. He is our father. We don't have to worry. If we battle with trust, he can help us and show us how to trust him. If we battle with belonging, he can draw us in. If we battle with security, God can draw us in. If we battle with feeling unloved, our Father loves us. Jesus is our King of kings and Lord of lords. And he will move heaven and earth for us. And there is nothing that we battle with that is outside the realm of God's ability and desire to help us through. So 
just let us remember that we are adopted into his family. And his is a perfect family. God is good, is he not, eh? Now, you know, why I asked her to preach after those words that came about the everlasting faithfulness of God and the love of God. If you're sitting here this morning and you struggle with a sense of belonging, if you're sitting here this morning and you struggle with a sense of just knowing the love of God, we want to pray for you. If you feel that something that Michelle said that God took and highlighted to you, whether it reverberated in you or touched something in you, if you understand what I mean by that, it just touched something, it touched a spark, just means God is speaking to you. He's highlighting something in order to bring some healing. We would love to pray for you as well. I also feel to pray for people that are wanting to have kids. You've tried, but you somehow it hasn't happened yet, but your desire is to have kids. We want to pray for you. I want to tell you one small story to encourage you. I was in Alabama two years ago. We were praying for people. I prayed for a couple. I said, do you want kids? They said, yes, but we can't. I said, I don't understand. Prayed for them. Next couple, do you want kids? I said, yes, but we're not unable to. And as the second couple said, I felt God say, there's a spirit of barrenness in this place. So I said, there are only about 60 people there. I said, all right, who, which couples are sitting here? You desire to have kids, but you haven't had it, but you've tried. Ten couples stood. We stood, we prayed, very simple, not long. One year later, nine of them had kids. See, God can do it, people. Not only can he do it in the natural so you can produce and be fruitful, that the womb can be fruitful, go forth and multiply, but he can do it in your heart so you can belong, you can understand his love, you can know his love, and you can walk in his love. You don't have to try. Don't earn it. It's just a free gift God loves. Amen. So if you feel that you want to respond, won't you stand? And we just want to pray. And any one of those, you struggle to belong, you want kids, you're not sure of his love, because that's the word that's come this morning. My love is everlasting. My love is everlasting. If you feel God just touched your heart in some way by what was shared, the story that was shared, just a sense of adoption. That you're adopted, people. We're adopted in his family. We're adopted. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that your love knows no bounds. And even now, Father, in the name of Jesus, like I want to rebuke that sense that I have to strive so hard to be loved and accepted. I have to strive. Lord, I want to free your people of that this morning. That's striving. Free your people of that, God. Let your love come and flood their hearts, I pray. Thank you, God. That's a just release, God. Let them release. Father, let a sense of belonging come to your people. A belonging to you and a belonging to one another. A belonging to a family. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I want to take authority over any spirit of barrenness. And I rebuke that spirit of barrenness. And I declare that these moms and dads will produce. I speak fruitfulness to the womb, the natural womb, and I speak fruitfulness to the spiritual womb in Jesus' name. We speak fruitfulness to that womb. I rebuke the spirit of barrenness over a natural womb and over the spiritual womb in Jesus' name. And we speak fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. I've chosen you to bear fruit, to bear much fruit, says the Lord. For this is to my glory that you will bear much fruit.
And so I pray that over your people, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, I could see a number of you were weeping. Just as God touched your heart, just a sense of weeping. Amen. All right. Steve, is this we? If any of you would love us just to lay hands on you and pray for you, we're willing to do that. But we don't want it to be about us. We want it to be about him, if you understand what I'm saying. But we're here to do that. And so I'm going to hand over to Steve if Steve wants to do anything else. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, Michelle. Absolutely outstanding, outstanding morning. I just love how God knew what he wanted to do today. And um, can I just... Um, can I just honor Ken and Michelle for their obedience to following the leading of the Lord? And, and again, I, I know some of you are going to be like, here he goes again with this kind of friendship thing. But, you know, we, we are, it's so important. I, I really want you guys to get this. When we bring uh, our friends to come in and minister at the church, we're not bringing guest speakers. If Ken and Michelle were guest speakers, he would have got a pat message that he's kind of doing, traveling to all the churches and preaching that. And he had come prepared. I know he had. He's, he, he asked me to get well, help with some of the uh, uh, sermon illustrations and props that he was going to use. But God wanted to say something today. And I think it takes incredible amount of courage to say, oh, I need to get out of the way and allow God to do what he needs to do today. So I, I just want to take a moment to honor both Ken and Michelle for their obedience to the Lord. And thank you guys for the example that you've set not just for through what was taught and what was released but just the example of obedience to to the lord and um yeah so with that um ken and michelle are going to be available if you would like um, ministry in any way shape or form or want them to pray with you um they're going to be available we're going to have our ministry team up here as well just to just to pray with you guys and to stand in faith for god to do great things if you I want to come along next Friday night. Uh, remember, it starts at five o'clock. We're going to have dinner from five till six and then sessions from six till about nine and then again on Saturday morning. But please can I ask you to RSVP. It'll help us just with, uh, with uh, food, food preparation. Uh, these guys at the back of the, t- at the, at the church at the loop, if you want to stop in there, grab a cup of coffee before you go. Otherwise, uh, have a wonderful week and we'll see you next weekend. Thanks, everyone.